feel like you've missed out on your CES fix this year? Well, you have, because you can't be there in person. There's no physical event. So at what next we've decided to bring you the next best thing. We have an incredible array of industry experts, real experts, real people that are doing things, making stuff, and they have actually got something to talk about rather than talk about somebody else's thing. Um, so today I'm in the fortunate position to talk to Aaron Norstad, who has had an incredible background at Disney, who has been immersed in the wonderful world of Star Wars, hence our talking about robots today. Uh, and he's now at Facebook. So we'll cover all of that ground. But first off, welcome aboard, Aaron. Thank you. Hey, thank you. So excited to be here. Oh, it's, a, it's great to have you on board. And it's, I'm loving your background. Um, we've immediately, even if people were guessing what it was that you were involved in at any stage, clearly, um, there's a whole bunch of stormtroopers stood behind you. So that's the biggest clue we could possibly have. Um, now, the wonderful world of robots. The CES to me, is one of the things that highlights how bad robots can be. <laughs> not, not evil robots. I'm not talking about something from the Empire. Um, I'm talking about how kind of poorly they perform. Um, now, um, do you find that there's some really interesting parallels um, with fact and fiction? Um, so do you find that we follow fiction with the things that we create? Um, or is it interesting to see from the other side of the camera, the things that are created and look to the future, are they genuinely based on the kind of robotics and, and the, and the sci-fi that we see before us? Yeah, that's a, that's a, a great question. Um, and I, so to give a little background, I um, uh, had great opportunity, I mean, kind of, you know, lifelong, like, like every kid you goes to uh, a Disney park, you kind of dream of becoming an Imagineer. And so I had, um, it, was, it was kind of a dream, of a bucket list item for me. So I had a great opportunity to be a technical project manager, um, working with the software that was running uh, all the audio animatronics at um, Star Wars Galaxy Edge in Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Um, and then also some animatronics that were, that are now in, um, uh, at uh, Enchanted Tales of Beauty and the Beast in Tokyo Disneyland. Um, so every day for me, like coming into work was sort of going into behind the scenes of, of Westworld. And, and so like really interesting, I was listening to a um, Geek's Guide to the Galaxy podcast with uh, uh, this physicist from UC San Diego, Brian Keating, uh, who's a co-director for the Arthur C. Clark Center Foundation. And he was talking about science fiction becoming nonfiction. And so, and like that really resonated for me because of, of this, this like notion of, of being inspired by science fiction and like how to make that kind of the true sort of non-fictional experience. Um, and, and, you know, I guess like, like, being able to, it's sort of the classic for Disney is, is being able to hide, you know you've succeeded when you've hidden the technology from the guests and that they're able to interact and or experience and be immersed in, in, in their fantastical worlds um, with, uh, with animatronics that feel like true to life. And so, um, you know, yeah, like this image behind me, this, is, this, this was sort of like the epitome of the, of the experience for me. Um, this is, this is sort of a 
the main event in the Rise of the Resistance, the, one of the attractions in Galaxy's Edge where there's 50 stormtroopers and they all have different motions, different functions. And you, you walk into that room and you're kind of like, you know, you've gone into the Death Star uh, or Star Destroyer. And, um, you know, you're kind of just like the awe, the sheer awe of seeing these, these troopers. They're not just like static, you know, kind of statues, but they're actually all sort of moving in different ways. It's both like eerie, but then like really trans, you know, kind of just transports you to that, that space. Um, you know, kind of like another, uh, the flip side of, of this, and this is something that, that people don't, don't, don't always know, um, but, um, you know, kind of like turning like droid fiction, uh, becoming, um, you know, sort of science fiction, if you will. Um, there's a really cool robots, uh, or I should call them, you know, kind of audio animatronics in the Guardians ride at, at Disneyland um, at Mission Breakout. Uh, these little characters called Bailu, um, that uh, they actually are really cool. They have facial recognition. So as you, as a guest is looking at them and, and turning your head, they will turn and react to you. Um, so these are, you know, this attraction was, was built after the first uh, Guardians movie, but before the second one. And um, James Gunn was so enamored with the, uh, with, with the characters that he then built them into canon, into Guardians of the Galaxy in the second film. So kind of a cool, like, you know, sort of a, a creation of a, of, a, of a robot, if you will, becoming, um, you know, sort of fictionalized into uh, science, uh, science fiction canon. Love that. That really is completing the wheel, isn't it? Because yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that's fiction that's that's actually inspired something that you've created in the real world that, that that's then fed back into the fiction again. Um, so, I mean, that, 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 that's, that's extended the original question and, and brought it back on itself. I love that. Um, so so with your, um, I guess your approach, the interesting thing is you, you were creating something, you know, as, as is the Disney way, something magical. Um, and is that's what was your benchmark for knowing that you had succeeded in creating something that was of a, a certain standard? You know, is it because you know before it moves, you can determine whether it's lifelike enough. Um, what's the what's the level you get to when you say no? That's how it's genuinely been brought to life. Um, you know how you would how you would grade an actor, whether it's a, an Oscar winning performance, I guess, by by an animatronic. Yeah, that's a that is a, a difficult one. I would say like the, the benchmark is is and you'll hear this is like hundreds of hours of, of programming <laughs> um, to to test and and to dial in kind of all the. The kinesthetics of the of the movement of the of the figures, um, and certainly like like you know figures like robots that are um, uh, or droids are, are are easier because you can hide sort of um, you know you don't have facial uh, movement and and so it kind of makes I guess it makes that that I don't want to say makes the bar lower but it does make it easier to achieve, um, uh, but. Um, yeah, the fluid motion is is like is is just like um, 
I, I guess the, the thing that is truly continues to be pushed, especially from a creative perspective, um, you know, to sort of like, I guess the, the average eye, you might think like, oh, that, that figure has great motion, it's fine. And, uh, and then the creative is, is sort of, you know, kind of pushes on, on the reality of, of well, what, is the, what is the animated or the live action um, character look like? Um, and that's, that is really kind of like, I guess that's, that's sort of like the true benchmark is, is and, and depending on, on if it's a animated uh, character or live action characters is, is really kind of building the animation models very similar to stills and, and then film, you know, footage from, from, from the films and, and then really kind of recreating that. Um, one of the most like, this one's really super incredible is um, there is a figure, uh, Elsa from Frozen Attraction at Epcot. And um, we had in the shop where I, I worked in, in, in Imagineering, we had, um, we had a version of her uh, that was just, she didn't have her skin. It just was, you know, just kind of like her, 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 her Terminator uh, body. And watching the motion of her arms move in, in unison with the music that she's performing to is like, it's truly a thing of, like, it sounds crazy to, you know, yeah, it sounds like I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid. Like, it sounds crazy for me to say this, but like, it's absolutely beautiful motion. And, um, uh, and that's, that's just like seeing these mechanical arms, like moving and waving about. And like, like, so I guess the, you know, for me, that kind of like epitomizes the, the benchmark of being able to capture that feeling of like that, that fluid motion that just so magical, um, even without you know, skin and, and clothing, because um, this is like, I, I think that's probably, you know, sort of a good, good benchmark that, that Disney Imagineering uses to, to match, like, how, when do you feel like, when is it good enough? Um, because it's, that's always the challenge of like, you know, when, when is it good enough? And then, and then like, you could also push it um, too far because these are, uh, these are mechanical figures that have a lot of propensity to break or to <laughs> be damaged. And, and so um, at some level, you kind of have to work within the range of motion that they can handle. Um, so the, the lifelike level that obviously you've, you've been to and you've, you've experienced with that, the, one of the only other real, I guess, real world, I mean, we're talking that what you've created is real, but it's based on fiction. The, the real world escapee from that is, mm -hmm. is kind of Boston Dynamics is one of the mm -hmm. few, I guess, brand names for robotics that have been successful. Um, because one of the things they've done very, very successfully is replicate human or animal movement. Mm -hmm. um, whereas many other manufacturers are fit for a purpose rather than fit for purpose. Um, right. I always say, you know, we we're talking about obviously about CES and one of the great things about CES is it's, it's quite literally a playground of, of products, but most of them are awful. <laughs> I think I'm sure the people exhibiting wouldn't admit that, but I think when we go and when we go and visit CES, we know that most of it won't appear the next year, um, because so much of it's got to be thrown against the wall and see what sticks. But from a robotics point of view, there seems to be like no lessons learnt from the Daleks. None of these things can climb stairs. 
um, even when they're meant to be household assistants, that it's no good if you live on a, on a, anything with more than one floor because they can never follow you upstairs anyway. Um, but Boston Dynamics is one is a real success story at the moment because they have spent a long time perfecting what they've done brilliantly. They've now been bought by Hyundai, who are finally, hopefully, going to take them to the next level where they need to be in the outside world. Do you think that there is something or more of a story to be told around um, for consumers, um, robotics that actually appeal more to a human? Um, or is it something that will always be, okay, it's in them and us? <laughs> it sounds a little bit fictional, I guess, but do you think that there should be something that brings that more in line with what we expect from, a, I guess, a human assistant? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, so there's a couple angles for that, for that. And, you know, I can, you know, continue to wear my, my Disney hat, I guess. Um, that's an interesting, uh, I, you know, sort of challenge and dilemma um, for, especially in a time like, like we're living in right now, right? Like um, part of the challenge of, of having like some of the, you know, so much of the magic for going to a Disney park is being able to engage and interact with, with, with care with Nikki and and all the beloved characters that you, you you see and and so like those are our cast members that are being subjected to um, you know health health risks especially in the time of, of COVID and so you know, I think that is a question of like well can you ever make them uh, and the, and those are kind of like you know for kids to interact and to have their you know, to hug Mickey or, or Minnie and, and have their photo, like that's that's just a magical moment that they take with them throughout their life. Um, and so that's a real dilemma. Like, how do you, you know, is there an opportunity to have that Mickey not be a cast member, but be um, a robot? Um, and that's, that's but like, you, you, like being able to capture that, that, that human feel is, um, is a challenge, but you know, sort of, I guess you could say, like an opportunity. Um, you know, kind of taking off my Disney hat and, and thinking, like, I think that's a question for me. Is like, especially um, in thinking about you know, kind of working from home and shelter in place, and 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 you know, kind of like uh, opportunities for robots to be in everyday life, and and are there, you know, I guess it makes me think about like. You know, there's probably some interactions where I might be, it sounds crazy to say it, but like more trusting of a robot <laughs> than, than of a, a human. And so like, are, are there, are there some interesting opportunities there? Um, you know, I guess like, as you say, like even having, having uh, a, a sort of a caretaker in your own home, like, would you be more trusting or or even if they can't climb stairs but having your um you know your housekeeper uh being a robot that's living in your house versus somebody else that's living in your house i i don't know like i think that's an interesting um notion and which i kind of ponder of like you know what are the types of interactions where you might be more comfortable or more trusting of um of something that uh, that's being performed by a robot versus a person. I was just going to say, I guess that's that's the 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 lifelong question is the is the utopia dystopia thing about robots yeah, because totally. you, and you've just used the word trust 
Um, whereas if that's quite a, a starter for a conversation, what do you trust the robots to do when we all, we're often talking about hacking and um, we're, again, we're way too influenced by, by science fiction, of course, as to what the potential is for all going horribly wrong. But also, you know, the utopian view is that they can, as you've just said, they could genuinely help us. And, and is that something that, again, you've referenced COVID, is that something that COVID has potentially accelerated because it's, it's, it's made us all question um, human contact in, in certain areas? Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't help, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm currently focused on something that's, that's not very, uh, um, it's kind of moved away from, from robotics, but um, I can't help but think that COVID is certainly um, uh, sped that up, you know, both because of thinking about like, well, what are, I don't want to say like non-essential human uh, perform jobs, but but I think it does kind of make you wonder, like, well, are there things because of of trying to limit um, interaction with with people you don't know uh, or who aren't in your bubble? Um, are there what are opportunities for those uh, activities or those functions to be performed by something other than 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 a person? Um, so I would think that um, you know both like just that 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 aspect of you know, truly what are the essential jobs where you need to have somebody out in the community uh, performing it versus things that you can be doing from home or versus things that can be done by by something other than, than a human. And so I think that um, I would, would think that there's a great opportunity for uh, a lot of bright people to be thinking about, you know, kind of what are those, those things. Um, I mean, certainly like, you know, kind of like just the uh the everyday uh i mean my, oh my gosh like like you, you know i see the 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 amazon prime <laughs> trucks go through my neighborhood on a daily basis and i'm like okay so at what point like you know is that just not going to be a freelance driver but is that just going to be the autonomous vehicle that shows up and and you've got some kind of robot that delivers your your package yeah, I mean, we, we, Amazon have obviously investigated drones. And again, we, we're talking so far, we've talked about robots that are very firmly planted on the ground. But that, that roboticized notion, it obviously extends to things that are off the ground as well. And that, that's, it's interesting trying to connect the dots because where you are and, and things are considerably warmer and drier um, than where I happen to be right now, where things are colder and wetter. Um, a drone throwing something into the front yard um, made of cardboard um, probably isn't ideal for us. <laughs> it's it's why the, the notion of a of a paper boy throwing a newspaper somewhere near your front door uh, works in the states um, doesn't work so much here because of that pulpy mass of paper after a after a rainstorm isn't much use to anyone. Uh, I guess that's why we get our news online now. But um, you, you alluded just now to the fact that you've moved away from robotics um, and you're at Facebook now. Um, what is, is there something here that is artificially intelligent that can, can you know, the concept of a robot is something that we, we talk about as being physical. Um, the notion of something that exists you know that robot would have to be able to think for itself in theory is that something you're exploring at the moment 
Um, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll, 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 I'll kind of like try to do my best uh, directly answering that. But, but, but I guess before I do, like, you know, it, yeah, it's kind of interesting what I'm doing now. Like, it's almost the complete opposite, right? Like, <laughs> like Imagineering, it's about bringing people to a real place, right? So to a, a Disney theme park, um, but then like transporting them off into their magical world, whether that is, um, is Batu, uh, a planet in, in Star Wars or, um, uh, or you're in Cars Land or, right? You're like being transported into whatever that fictional world is. Um, you know, now I'm like the complete opposite. So now, now um, I'm working with how to bring people together virtually because there's so many people are at home. Um, so how to be stay connected both from like a working perspective, but, um, but even just a socializing perspective. So, you know, being able to augment your background or, um, or, you like how to augment like just you know, your kind of own stylistic choices um and so it's kind of like it's, it's sort of the opposite of like taking your real world and and uh and um you know sort of customizing it into a, a virtual way um and i think so in like in, in interesting and so here's like my, i guess my indirect way of, of kind of answering kind of that ai question is really interesting um you think about like robotics is so much about like the physical um, figure, but um, but but there is a lot of like you know there's also so much opportunity for AI and and um, uh, around how that augments your reality and your kind of world that you're in, um, and so like I think that's a really interesting. Uh, I mean, clearly, like that has been a backbone of of, of, of Facebook, and I think that continues to be um, you know, kind of an interesting exploration of for Facebook technology around like how to continue to sort of uh, smartly adapt AI um, to be inclusive uh, and to be immersive, um, you know, especially in a time where you just like you know, so much of our mission is like bringing communities together, um, but knowing that those communities of people can't always or often are not physically present together. And so um, that's an interesting sort of challenge, which is totally different than, than like trans taking you to a place where you can interact with the physical being of a robot, right? Um, so yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, I guess I sort of whip that around like that, that, that um, it's a weird sort of juxtaposition of what I was doing before and looking at sort of what I'm doing now and like do those overlap are they are they do they compete with each other um, do they uh, you know sort of accentuate each other I don't know that's a that's an interesting thing I'm, I guess I sort of grapple with yeah well to help you grapple further um we, we've asked we ask all our guests what's next that's the name of the name of the show um so you've got you've got your augmented persona feature person creature whatever it is going to be over here that's thinking for itself you've got your physical robotic entity over this side 
So what's next? Is it a world filled with both? Is it a world, as you say, that overlaps? Or, um, or do you see one being far more relevant than the other? Um, you know, I, uh, I guess like everybody uh, who, who and, you know, and certainly um, like you, I think we first got introduced by um, when I was watching you present at an augmented reality and in kind of like in the earlier earlier days for me not early days of vr um but um again so enamored with with vr and so then like you know like i guess like everybody like ready player one hit you're like oh my god this is it like <laughs> i can't wait to be in this world of ready player one and then like and then like something like covid hits and you're like oh my gosh i just want to go to a coffee shop and like have a conversation with somebody in person or like share a, a beer with them um, and not have to do it over Zoom by like, you know, hey, cheers, Dean. <laughs> uh, so um, that's, that's like, that's really kind of, I guess, thrown, thrown that kind of you know, twist for me, like, you know, especially like, you know, as again, like I'd say, I'm focused on how to, you know, building content and experiences um, for people to feel more present when they can't be physically together. But, um, but yeah, like in, in, you know, kind of in, in, uh, in, you know, sort of my heart of hearts, it's sort of like, I just want to be able to have like, you know, be back in like in physical connection. Um, uh, I guess to take it you know, further, and this is such a hot, Hot, hot topic now um, for education, right? And like, like um, remote learning. I've got a daughter who's her first year of college, and, and a son who's in, in high school. And um, my son, like, he's doing he's doing fine, but like, he's doing great in school. But like, mentally, it's sort of like it's a real challenge. Uh, like it is for all kids to be like just remote learning, and and you know, kind of. I guess my initial thing is like, oh boy, wouldn't it be so cool to be able to, to, to do all that in VR and like have experiences of learning, um, you know, you have like so much opportunity to uh, be exposed to so many, so many, you know, so much education, I guess, like in a virtual world, but, um, but then like watching what he goes through on a daily basis of being kind of stuck at home and, and just wants to be interacting with friends like i realized like um there there is something there's something there there right like there there's something about being able to be physical um physically present with people and so like uh i guess that for me has has kind of you know i guess made me step back and, and think about well where is technology helping but then like where does technology kind of inhibit um certainly it's helping now because of of being able you know giving people tools and and um uh exposure to be able to do things from you know kind of more easily from home than what i think we would have thought um 12 months ago but um but then like you know like we were like what are you you know kind of i guess it's what's the what's the mental health impact that that it's having i think that's that's, that's sort of a uh an interesting question which which totally takes us off topic right but like like that's a hard one not to on the show 
<laughs> yeah, like it's another show, but you like you you kind of like have to grapple with that too. Yeah, well, we I say a whole other show. We'll we'll follow that up. Um, and I I love that your your summary there of what's next is we've outlined AR and VR and and all the other R's. But the thing that we probably most yearn for is is R is is right. reality. Um, yeah. And is, and that's been a common theme with with a lot of our guests is that I think we really do appreciate the real world. And when we're allowed to again, uh, I'll take you up on that coffee and um, <laughs> we will we'll take things back down to basics again. And and we'll 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 have a, a good human conversation over a, a physical cup of coffee. I appreciate your time, Aaron, as, as always. Fantastic insight into to the world of the physical and the augmented robots. Um, and thank you ever so much for joining us. Well, thank you. Thank you, Dean, so much of a pleasure. Really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Aaron. Wow. So we're exploring the wonderful world of robots. Um, it, it's so much more exciting when we get to wave our arms around and talk about it in science fiction terms. And I hope we've asked the big question of what's next. And once again, we've given you enough of an answer. Thank you.